0: So we're continuing this uh, very fascinating and important and instructive chapter 6, die, death to sin, we died to sin in Christ, Christ died on the cross for the judgment of our sin so that we're no longer identified by it and we are no longer condemned by it and, does, and it doesn't have the power to, uh, uh, to condemn us or to make us feel guilty or ashamed this takes draws the power out of sin and this is what we need to understand so don't let your mind uh, accuse you anymore don't let your mind say i'm I'm no good I'll never measure up I don't I'm not good enough what's wrong with me etc and a, li- a radio listener uh, texted me or rather uh, emailed me recently and um, said, and please remind us that we don't let other Christians identify us either, because, you know, God can forget. God casts our sins into the depths of the sea. God no no longer identifies us as sinners as we trust in Jesus Christ, our righteousness. But what about the Christians? What about the churches? So many Christians find it very very difficult to forget another sinner's past they may try to forget their own but they don't remember too well or rather they remember all too well the past of other people and so be careful how you live your life of faith among other christians who many of whom would put you down or would not allow you any more to um to serve in the church because of your past. I remember that very, very specifically with my past. And uh, even senior pastors would say, well, what about, what if somebody brings up your past? And I said, well, that will be more of an opportunity than ever to declare that Christ is my righteousness and has taken the identity of my sins upon himself. You see, don't let other people's fear overwhelm you. Don't let other people's fear of you make you afraid of yourself. Be cautious, of course. Be, be prudent. Uh, be wise. Give yourself time to recover from this or that. Um, take counsel with others. Be in a group, if you like, to support you. But I tell you, it is so important to understand the gospel otherwise Even Christians will hang your guilt over you forever. And I don't wish to condemn Christians that way by that statement. I'm simply saying that we are all uh, still living in our sinful nature, and to forgive others is an act of faith. It is far more natural to our sinful nature to judge another, to condemn him and to keep him down so that he doesn't bother us in the future. So Paul says in chapter six, verse thirteen, and do not do not therefore present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Do you see what this is all about then? Sin is not simply uh, uh, cutting off and clipping off little bits of our bad behavior, little bits of our bad behavior cutting them off our sinful nature no. Our whole human nature is counted as executed with Christ. It is counted as no longer identifying us, because Christ took the judgment of our human nature upon himself on the cross. So we now say, not only who am I, you remember a few days ago I talked about proper proper identification of yourself as being accounted righteous in Christ, we not only say, ask ourselves, who am I? And yes, I know who I am. I'm accounted righteous in Christ. But we say, who am I presenting myself to? Am I presenting myself to the kingdom of Adam and of sin and death? Or am I presenting myself to the kingdom of Christ in which reigns righteousness and peace and life? That's how we live, you see, we, we don't define things in ourselves, but in the kingdoms which God has defined. Uh, the kingdom of Adam in which we are nat- in, of sin and death, in which we are naturally born, which lives with us until we die or until the coming of Jesus, but is no longer counted as ours because we now by faith live in the kingdom of Christ. That is what God has done. He has transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And that's where we live and we can uh, rejoice in our new identity. And as I say, and as I said earlier, do not let others define who you are. Some will say, he's a drunkard, he's an alcoholic, he's a homosexual, he's gay, he's, uh, he's uh, an addict. He's, um, uh, what else will they say? Well, oh, they, that uh, person is an alcoholic. A drug addict. Don't let people define you that way. Now, of course, you don't have to trumpet your new identity endlessly. You don't have to say, I'm proud of who I am and all of this modern uh, woke stuff. What you do is simply, humbly express your relationship to God in Jesus Christ. So do not present your members. And if you do, what do we do then? And if you fail, then you get up again. You don't recriminate and bash yourself and endlessly condemn yourself as if that were some form of atonement. You can't make an atonement for yourself. You say, Father, I have sinned, and I thank you that you have forgiven my sin, and I thank you that it is not counted against me, and I bring myself before you to trust in you all over again. You see, you do it calmly. I've said before, and you've probably heard me say it, the effect, the response to a failure is sometimes worse and more powerful than the failure itself. So you fail, you know, you're an alcoholic, you've had a drink and you get all bent out of shape and discouraged and overwhelmed and you think that if you've had one drink you've had too many and you're going to be under the table by tonight. All of that nonsense, you do not respond that way because that is responding to a failure with fear, with a sense of condemnation and with uh, endless judgment. No, don't do that. You lift yourself up calmly and you say, Father, I thank you that, I, that, that alcoholism and being an alcoholic is not who I am. I praise you in Jesus' name that I'm counted as whole and complete. And you go forward. It's what I call bounce-back ability, bounce-back ability, bounce-back ability. Think of it, express it. It's a more proper word, of course, is resilience. If you don't, what faith gives you, you see, is resilience. And that is what we have in Christ, because Christ has taken our judgment people who sin and then stay down for weeks because well i've sinned so as may so i may as well stay down here and sin a bit more before i change my uh, turn around again and then they get depressed and they uh, cl- don't open the bible for months on end and don't pray to god what they are doing is giving power to their failure by their reaction to that failure we don't have to do it you see You're not making atonement for yourself. You say, why do you bring that up, Colin? Because staying down and being depressed and being overwhelmed is our self-pity, which very unconsciously, I grant you, we present to God as if we were saying, you see how uh, upset I am about my sin, Lord. You see how um, remorseful I am. Oh, stop it. God is not impressed at all. That's not how we atone for our sins. Jesus is the one who has atoned for our sins, not we ourselves. So, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now look at that. Present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And I might say present yourself to yourself as being alive from the dead too. There are some perfectionists who are endlessly trying to die to themselves, to not feel any sin anymore. And their goal is endless putting of themselves to death, emotionally and spiritually. It's all a load of crock. It is all uh, uh, perfect, perfidious nonsense, because we are atoning for ourselves, or trying to, by that silliness. The thing is, I can present myself as alive to God, and I can present myself to myself as alive to God precisely because Jesus died for my humanity on the cross. And when he rose again, he rose on my behalf. Do you see then, you get up in the morning and it's wintry and cold and you've got to go to work and you feel miserable. And you say in your heart, thank you, Father, that I'm alive to you in Jesus Christ. And then you have a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or whatever, and all of this beauty adds to the resilience of your life in Christ. So, present your members as uh, instruments of life to God Um, How does it say it? Let me read the the verse again. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Just think of your potential as a Christian. Think of it. You are a person who uplifts the world. You are a person who encourages people. You are a person who can give a smile when the rest are miserable and mournful. You are a person who can give a word of hope from Scripture because the others don't know it. You don't use Scripture to distance yourself from them and to make yourself feel better than they are. You use Scripture to bless other people, to lift them up not preach to them in this preachy kind of way that they'll be dead and in hell if they don't shape up but rather give them the news of jesus christ that's what the gospel is surely isn't it you are the salt of the earth you are a light upon a hill that is why you uh, that is because you have presented your members as instruments of righteousness to God. There's nobody like you in the earth. Very, very special. Not because you're uh, more righteous than anyone else, but because you have received the mercy of God. And that mercy is so wonderful that you want to share it with somebody else as well, do you see? Well, then there's that Surprise text, which doesn't seem to fit. That's typical of Paul. Actually, all of his texts fit, but we don't get the point for a while until we keep studying. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. We'll talk a lot about this uh the next time, but just to say this, how odd this text seems to be. Don't you think that it should say, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the power of sin anymore. But he doesn't say that. It says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law anymore. Well, what does that mean? It means there is a close relationship between law and sin. This is a, a verse that is a forerunner, if you like, of the seventh chapter. So you may as well get reading chapter seven because we'll be into it in a, uh, a week or so. And so uh, you will then discover the incredible relationship between law and sin. Well, thank you for joining me today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens. Listen to my broadcast on your smartphone or other remote device any time of the day or night. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook. I wish you would consider, if you wouldn't mind, an end-of-year donation to help the ministry. The winter months are always a little difficult, but uh, it's nothing new. It's all difficult, <laughs> but we find the blessing. Blessing of the Lord in the difficulty. So, if you'd like to make an end of your year donation, remember you ask for a receipt. I can send you an end of year receipt, but you must ask for it. Thanks so much. All right. Well, I will see you next time, and uh, cheerio, and God bless.